0: welcome to the utah jazz podcast that does its uh, regular season preview at the quarter mark of the season uh this is twos and threes uh like your favorite basketball team if you listen to this podcast it's taken us a little while to get up to speed this season um but doug here we are we're a quarter of the way in um you look to be in in season shape how's it going man
1: I'm doing great, Mark. Uh, I'd like to think that we've got at least fifteen podcasts just in our head that have yet to be released, but we're just going to let them all out um, in this one.
0: Yep, it's going to be a Thanksgiving smorgasbord of jazz talk. And you know, when you're a quarter of the way into the season and a sort of fits and starts beginning kind of a season, you need a special guest. If you're if you're coming this late to the party, you got to show up in style. And so here we have you know what i i would say what jack nicholson leonardo dicaprio and uh denzel washington are to the lakers our guest is to the utah jazz along with his wife whitney this is uh travis lincoln cox <laughs> i and
2: i'll take Welcome it what's pod. up hey thanks for having me i'm so excited
0: we could not be more excited you you're you're you've been a long time on our get list um we've been trying to work through your people and back channels to get you on uh I think it's our fault, my fault in particular, that it hasn't happened sooner. Um, but we weren't going to start this season uh, without you on the podcast. For fans of the pod no, I mean, I, I, I'll let you now maybe give a little intro as to who you are, what you do, and how you're a, a jazz fan. But I think um, there are two tweets in particular that fans of the podcast would recognize you for. And when we had our first podcast after the pandemic, um, in our social media uh, moment, one of those tweets was... The highlight of it because to me it was like after this great sort of desert despair whatever you want to call it hiatus from sports and normalcy in basketball the thing that made me feel most like I was back home was was one of your tweets um I think you know what I'm talking about so maybe I'll let you the, tell it tell the listeners most of whom probably already know who you are but who you are and what the heck you have to do with the jazz and maybe what about Yeah.
2: First of all, that's so sweet, man. Yeah. And, and honestly, same for me, that moment, like the first game back after that break, I was like, we're doing it. And those two tweets, it's been kind of wild to see like what they become. Cause they really just started as just like bits between my wife and I, we would just say that to each other after a game. And then I started posting it and it's just really taken off. But obviously it's after a win, it's, you know, the jazz are the best team ever or never lose again. Woo. And then after they lose, it's life is meaningless. Jazz loses the worst day ever. The season's over. Uh, and I think it really sort of <laughs> encapsulates jazz fandom. I mean, these last two back-to-get game against, games against the Pelicans are the perfect example of that, that mindset of, of how we react to wins and losses. But yeah, my fandom, I mean, I've been a fan since I was a kid. I went hardcore, obviously, with the Stockton and Malone days. I was that kid who was like mowing the Utah jazz logo into my front yard. <laughs> like I spent, I think when we were in the, the, I still blame my parents for the fact that we didn't win the championship. Cause the, for game one, i I drew out this, like we believe banner and like, it took me like hours and it was like, eight feet long and I taped it in our front window and we won the game. And I was like, yeah, I got to make another one. And my parents were like, no, no, that's no kid should be spending that much time on a team. And so they didn't let me make another one. And then we obviously, we didn't win. So I still blame my parents for that. Oh,
0: wow. I mean, I've got like a (laughs) list. I've got a list of people, things and, and events that I blame for this, but I'm Mm -hmm. I'm glad to add that one.
2: Add my parents (laughs) to it. They, they are responsible uh and then i guess i fanned them. i sort of fell out a little bit got a little more casual in a, after that i you know checked back in briefly with the darren williams AK days like obviously that was a fun run but i didn't follow like i should have and then i got real back into it super hardcore um the uh rudy gobert and then that guy who wore 20 i forget his name but they got me really hyped i have
0: no idea who you're i can't of. I, Never heard I, of that.
2: yeah i don't know anyway <laughs> but i got really into we we live here in la and they obviously played the clippers and we went to a couple of those playoff games and been super super all in ever since then
0: i mean it's a similar path for me i think we're we're pretty close in age and you know i fall i i guess I don't fault myself or anyone for not being super into the Carlos Arroyo, Raul Lopez <laughs> years. <peers>. Sure. <laughs> the second Greg Ostertag era um, of the jazz. <laughs> the uh, second Hall of
1: Fame career, you mean? Yeah.
0: For me, it was it was Darren Williams who brought brought me back in. I've talked about it on this podcast, but after going on a mission and coming back, and like I saw him in the Rocky Mountain review, and then it was a love affair um all anew, which didn't end great.
1: Um, but this is
0: a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, and that's what jazz is. I love that you said that the your two your two tweets started as a bit between you and your wife because the alternate name of this podcast is failed bits that Doug and I started with our spouses um, and then just <laughs> brought to the podcast mostly jazz related or or jazz adjacent. Um, so you're in LA now. Um, yeah, tell us about that. What do you, What do you do there?
2: Yeah, I'm here in LA chasing the dream, um, doing some acting, and uh, just having a lot of fun. You know. Definitely living the starving artist life with ups and downs, but so far more ups than downs. Uh, I'm out awesome. here with my wife. Most of you on Twitter also have fo- kind of followed her story. She's at Wit M Cox, and she's also a diehard fan and knows everything about everyone on the team. And we're just having a lot of fun.
0: Also acting recently mm-hmm. in Animal Kingdom, which is a show that we watch yeah, in our house. Yeah, She just so did this on cool. Animal
2: Kingdom. Yeah, it's pretty fun. She uh, was in a short film. That's in, currently doing a really big festival run which is pretty cool
0: what's it called
2: um, it's called inch thick knee deep i don't think it's out anywhere for public yet once the festival runs over i'll post about it but man it's really freaking good it turned out awesome
0: that's cool yeah was it in sundance i feel like i saw that you guys were it didn't do
2: sundance it most recently was at a festival in provo called the uh, film quest okay yeah and in it Utah did. For a it premiered yeah. at the man's chinese theater a month ago month ago for i think it's called scream scream quest or scream fest that's what it is scream fest played at the chinese theater here
0: in la so super cool yeah what about you like so i know you've got an improv podcast which i've listened to um which is super fun any anything like from your um that you would point people to if they were
2: oh man i guess if people wanted to see some stuff um you can find just check out my stuff on imdb there's a couple of things available on amazon i was in a feature film called back to awesome it's actually it's the holidays now it's kind of a, a thanksgiving and christmas very indie very indie kind of feel good uh lots of language so if that's a thing maybe stay away from that but it, the overall moral is very good um i made a, a christian film romantic comedy called the pastor and the pro where a pastor's neighbor is a prostitute and they have a <laughs> they have a thing it's super low budget but it was it was pretty fun to shoot um and then yeah there's various short films that you can find online i mean there's a horror film called phone home that's that's doing numbers on youtube and i mean i could go i don't want to just like no very cool i mean i saw
0: on your imdb page the pastor and the pro i did not think pro standard for prostitute although i I should (laughs) have it sure (laughs) did yeah it's doug's lingo for sure he's always talking about pros (laughs) Um, In the habit card. Well, super cool. Um, As I said, um, the most successful jazz fan actor that I'm aware of, um, (laughs) you and John Cleese, I I guess, uh, who we recently watched in one of the weirder Christmas movies. I already forget what it was called, but it was kind of fun.
2: Oh, man. We just have been going back watching the Monty Python Flying Circus stuff. So again, and it's so good, but it's so weird, man. It's so weird. It's yeah. So weird. He's
0: in this one with Kelsey Grammer, and they're like brothers who have like this fan. Anyways, it, it was it was funky, but it was kind of funny. Yeah, with Elizabeth Hurley, too. Um, neither here nor there. Um, mo- most importantly, we're here to talk about jazz basketball, and uh, I guess I think a big reason. I mean, we wanted you here to preview the season, um, just because. You're one of the, the fun figures in jazz fandom. But now that it's been the kind of start that it, it's been, I felt even like it was more critical to have you um, with your two sort of polar opposite reaction tweets, but more importantly, your measured sort of assessment of everything um, as it goes. Doug, I mean, we have kind of a format that we're going to use as our big segment to here, but... Is it cool if I give you a little rundown of what's happened so far? Oh,
1: man, I've, I've been waiting for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we always want to try to cater to people who only get jazz news from this podcast. And so if that's you, we're sorry you're a little behind. I totally respect that that's – I mean, in the political climate that we're in now, if you have a trusted news source, you should stick with it. So we're happy to be that for you. Um, but we're 20 games into the season, um, 13 and seven, third place in the West – Um, I joke about this probably too much and sometimes I don't even know if I'm joking about it or not, but we're second in net rating um, and in jazz fandom, net rating sometimes means more than wins and losses sometimes less. 538 has us finishing second um, with the second best record in the league and we're two wins off of last year's pace, which by many accounts was the greatest regular season in the history of the franchise so we should just blow it up, right Doug? (laughs) <laughs> that I I
1: think our like our pseudo 1.5 segment was just to talk about like trade possibilities that we really want for Donovan and Rudy wasn't that it
0: <laughs> Yeah uh, Lincoln Riley just got hired by USC football but he could have been a good Quinn Snyder replacement I'm I'm just trying to think like I, I, mean, I
1: think Ryan Smith is going to sell the team
2: is that right <laughs> I think he's moving, moving to to it Yeah he's moving it to Seattle uh-huh Yeah <laughs>
0: I don't know. What is your temperature check right now, Douglas? Because I say that in, in jest somewhat. But nonetheless, it has been a pretty cupcake-soft schedule so far. Um, and there have been some pretty disheartening losses. I don't know. Are you worried? Just give me your high-level worry thing, and then we'll get more into it in the in the second segment.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, we're going to be talking about our wishes for the season and kind of where they're at so far. But I guess in the podcast that never happened, where we were going to talk about media day, Um, I think, I mean, after media day, it was really like, hey, we're going to, we've got a deep roster. Quinn's going to play around with different lineups. Some guys are going to get more rest and they're really putting the eggs into the playoffs basket rather than just being an all regular season type team. So if that's a temperature check for me, I'd say I'm I'm lukewarm. Um, Not really sure even what that means, but we're figuring it out. I have a, I have a really good friend who's, um, a Pelicans fan. And so texting back and forth over the weekend and, and after the jazz loss game one, I said jazz by 30, the next game. And it, we were up by 30 at one point when by, I think was it 22. Um, and you know, this is kind of how it started. There's some games that have been a little bit ugly and some that look amazing. And I think there's kind of figuring it out
0: do you really have a pelicans uh fan friend or was that just kind of a cool way to say no legit his name's oh, adam clausen
1: he is my graduate went to Shout graduate school to with me lives lives in la now
0: yeah what about you travis like how, how are you feeling about this right now because i like i guess like you see me a lot i'm i'm trying to i guess i'm i'm a, a romantic um, and I, to, I don't know. I'm trying to see the, the glass have empty or at least be measured in my despair. Um, but I wouldn't have faulted many people for being pretty discouraged after that Pelicans loss right after Thanksgiving.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's been, there's definitely been a handful of games, a handful of moments where the if that's what you focus on, you might start to panic. Like there's definitely been signs of things that are not great. But I mean, your your intro to the segment of like we're third in the West, we're second in differential, like we're still really good. Like, am I, I'm I'm genuinely not worried at all. And to be fair, I'm the ultimate homer. I mean, you and I are cut from the same fan cloth. <laughs> like, we definitely rose colored glasses. Like, yeah. we're all in. But I mean, there after that first Pelicans loss, there were a lot of people kind of calling out the more optimistic jazz fans saying like, if you aren't worried about this team, then you're letting your emotions, whatever you need to be more realistic. And I actually think it's the other way around right now. I think the optimistic fans are the realistic ones. Like there are, there's so much evidence that this team is still very good and is going to continue to be good. But I think the people who are, Saying blow it up, we got to we got to make a trade. This team isn't it. I think they're the ones who are letting their emotions get in the way. I think if you really look at it objectively, the Jazz are in a really good place right now.
0: Yeah, Yeah. dude. If my like my perhaps my life philosophy is pessimism does not equal realism, and I just feel like people trying to sound smart sometimes think like the dire answer is the smart one or the cynical cynicism equals skepticism or something, or critical analysis.
2: Yeah, and that's just not
0: right. That's not right. <laughs> Sometimes the facts are more positive. And when you were the best record in the NBA the prior year, and all those things that are rattled off, you're probably okay. I mean, I would point any jazz fan to the last Zach Lowe podcast, or the, it's the one with Kevin Arnavitz on. And he does kind of like a monologue for the first 15 to 20 minutes or so of kind of the state of things about at the quarter mark. And it's just nice to hear someone who's not so emotionally invested in the jazz, talk about the jazz. And I think Zach's probably the best national basketball writer or whatever that we have right now. And he's he's historically been a little bit of a jazz skeptic, but I think giving them credit. And you hear him talk about it and he's like, they're really good. Like they're in a really good spot. Like the things <laughs> yeah. that they have trouble with, they know how to solve. And it just like, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, whatever. We'll talk about it a little bit more as, as, as we go into this next, next segment. But um, I think the team has earned somewhat of the benefit of the doubt. And also their performance so far has been good. (laughs) It's been, it's been good. I mean, there's just been a lot of folks who are like, think there's like a prize. Maybe I'm thinking of too many people too specifically who I otherwise like, but it's like, (laughs) they think they win an award for the calling the game over first with the jazz, which I just like, don't know how in the last two years, you ever call a game over with the Jazz? I mean, there's a reason their net rating's always so good because they never get blown out. Like they're losing by a lot and then they come back in. And even Andy Larson, who's like a smart writer for the Tribune and I, I really respect a lot, calls these like fake comebacks sometimes. And to me, I think that's kind of a silly name because if you were within a shot or two in the last minute, there's nothing fake about that. You win those games sometimes. Just right. like the Jazz have lost some of those games.
2: Even if you only get like one out of every six of those or whatever, yeah. that's still OW that at the end of the season is going to count for something. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Why are you why are you kind of like dunking on like effort? Even <laughs> if it's too little, too late, like at least it's something.
0: I mean, we we have famously lost games the other way. I mean, True. We, not to not to be too soon about it. But um, but yeah, totally. And then in some of those games, it's like, oh, bogey saw four threes going in the last six minutes. And then he kind of gets out of a funk. So I don't know. That's I mean, that's kind of where I'm at, but there are definitely things to be concerned about. So let's let's roll in um to the next segment. We might, we might lead um a trip to Dr. Doug MD to talk me off the ledge on a couple of things in it. But in this, um, we're gonna do our preseason pod that we never did.
1: If you haven't had a chance, check out the Jazz Pod Co-op on Twitter. It's a group of podcasts with like-minded people that just want to share their opinions on the jazz. Here's a preview: Mark and Doug Hintsey on the Twos and Threes.
0: The weird things about dude shots is like my favorite like NBA subcategory of. of that that definitely, definitely gets <laughs> my hands. For sure. And like, or they're like the length of their arms affecting something. I, I'm, I'm like, whether they jump off of one foot or because, two foot. Right. Like, Emily
1: and McCoy on the Jazza Gals. If anything, that video also reminded me, like, how just a few inches difference it was be- between us being on one side versus the other. You know, like, well, we all know a few inches can make a difference.
0: Who Logan and Jared on hitting the high notes? <laughs> I don't even care if they're hurt or they I mean, we're not going to dance
1: on any injuries, but yes.
0: Same. I, I can't I can make any promises. <laughs> I don't even care if it's a fluke or we cheat. I don't even care. I'll up, yeah. If so, you're
1: not cheating, you're not trying, right? Um, That's yeah. what they say. And Brian and McCade on home court
0: press. With Boyan, Memphis is really struggling to shoot, so giving the Boyan to the Grizzlies. And then having the Grizzlies forward our first round pick onto another team, if you can get on a first round pick, and then get Memphis to throw in a first round pick in the A and take Boyan, a lot of possibilities open for a guy like John Hall. Yay! So, segment two, um, cool. Travis. I think we we messaged each other like three months ago to be like, "Hey, let's do a preseason pod, and let's do our like our handful or our three top wish list items for this season, and talk about them and." We didn't do it, and now we're a quarter of the way through the season, and I want to do it anyway. Um, like and it. maybe we can just say what they are, and if we and how we feel about them, or how they've changed. Does that sounds cool. Yeah, sounds great. Can you kick us off with one? You want me
2: to start? Yeah. Okay. So, time traveling back to the pre- preseason, what I would have wanted to see from this team after last year. First, I would have wanted more involvement from Rudy on the offense, and more involvement from everybody else on the defense. Um, Secondly, I wanted, I wanted to see Quinn and this team experiment with other sets and other plays and other things, because last season we were the best. We were the best at what we did. Nobody did it better, but we saw in the playoffs, we weren't super flexible when we had to try new things. And then the last thing I think is a little more complicated and nuanced, and it's been a issue of mine for a long time as a fan there's something about the utah jazz and i don't know if it's utah or what but no matter how good we are teams are not afraid to play us and i don't know what the solve is for that but that would be a wish list item for me is i i want the utah jazz to be a team a team that people go oh shit we have to play the jazz but right now man Everybody thinks they can beat us. No matter how good we are, nobody comes in afraid to play the jazz. Mm. So those are my three things.
0: Oh, I love that one.
2: I like that. Yeah.
0: All right. I was hoping for this, that there would be overlap. And I was expecting it because if not, this podcast would last forever with how much I talk. And our first (laughs) two are exactly the same. Oh, (laughs) nice. Yeah, uh, great. Mine was more focused on the Rudy offensive part, but the other defense too. And and sort of just handling the five out scheme. Mm -hmm. So second one was lockstep um doug what about you i i had a different third one but it sort of ties in with your last one um,
1: right um i would say i guess mine are pretty similar maybe where word it differently but i wanted to see i feel like uh, we've seen awesome like improvements in chemistry with rudy and mike and obviously like rudy and joe are amazing and i've like there's been here and there of, like some great rudy donovan moments but I just wanted to see like them just crush the pick and roll together. So, I mean, like getting Rudy more involved, like you both said, but specifically like seeing Donovan and Rudy having great chemistry on offense. Um, and then my third one was, I was really, I've lifted up my whole, or my second one actually um, was, doing the was to be um, kind of what the, the, the 5 out lineup looks like. And I was interested in Rudy Gay and Eric Pascal and just kind of what that would be like. My third one was I really wanted, I, I don't know why I got really romanticized in the draft process, but I wanted to see Jared Butler get some minutes.
0: And you, the entirety of <laughs> SLC Dunk and most of Jazz Twitter too. Right.
1: And I just wanted to see, I, I don't know. I was just really excited about some Jared Butler time. Um, but I think even that with, I like the whole bench, like there's like 12 to 16 guys. I, I mean, are we reaching into the stars lineup yet? But that I, I'm like excited to see get minutes. And I'm like really interested in, so Jared Butler was kind of just the forerunner of that, but I'm not necessarily disappointed that he hasn't really played other than, I guess he played, um, the last game against the Pelicans, but yeah, those are my three.
0: All right. So my only other one that was different and I've got kind of a running list so we can talk through them now was just that in spite of the fact that I wanted them to figure out getting Rudy, the ball more and knew they were going to fail doing that somewhat. And in spite of the fact that I wanted them to experiment more, I just wanted him to be first again. Is that bad? I just wanted it all. (laughs) Basically I wanted it all. And that's kind of Travis's thing too. Like as much as like, I want to be like, I don't care about the regular season. I kind of do because it's like, um, the regular season is still like a huge chunk of the year. And I just want it to be fun. And last year was fun.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think it's your, I think you posted this on Twitter several times that basically every other sport you, you get something for winning the regular season. Like you, there is an award for that. And I think there should be, and I don't think it's bad to celebrate that either. So good. I'm- yeah,
0: man. I, yeah. Like most of my, my bits, they are Like my main strategy is persistence. So I have said that a bunch and I will continue (laughs) to say it because we were talking about soccer before, but that's like the best example. It's like, there's a season, people get something for winning the season. They have like the league, like the country tournament. They have like, you know, champions league. I don't know, man. Like, why are we playing this whole time? If, if it's only for playoff seating, but
2: yeah, I'm with you
0: we'll call Adam Silver at, at some point. He's
2: got to be a listener, right? Yeah he's, yeah,
0: he's listening. He hasn't thought about this before, I'm sure. so this <laughs> um, all right, well, Travis, let's start with your first one, man. What do you think so far on on whether or not the jazz have been doing this and if they've been succeeding on getting Rudy more involved in the offense and <sighs> you know, having others pitching on defense more?
2: Yeah, I guess I'd give the team like a B on this. Like there's definitely moments where you're seeing that it's a conscious thing and then there will be like stretches where I think I forget which game it was, but I think there was a whole half where Rudy had one shot attempt. And like, so it's like, yeah, I think there is an effort and I think they're trying to do it. And then sometimes they just will go away from it completely. Rudy said something in some pre or post game interview this season that i thought was huge that i hope the rest of the team believes he said that the price of getting better is failing like Mm -hmm. if they're gonna get better at really any of the things we're talking about but especially getting rudy the ball they're gonna have to be okay with rudy dropping a pass or two or somebody lobbing the ball too high or whatever whatever the failure is they're gonna have to be okay with it not working until it does so I hope they stick with it but I'm seeing I'm seeing signs that give me hope that they're working on it for sure yeah I
1: I agree with you I I almost I like I have this weird complex to where I just want Rudy to have so much success on offense that in a way like like the first couple games and I don't even know how well this ties to the our current thread of thought, but like anytime like Hassan Whiteside came in and did really well, I was like nervous. I don't know. I feel that. No, I feel, like, that. He, no, I feel he, that too. Does Donovan like getting the ball to Hassan more than he does Rudy or, you know? So I, I think, I think it is be a fair grade with, with how they've done. I, I love that in most games, it's like the first play is let's try to get Rudy a dunk. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like almost always. Um, and love to see it be more of a consistent effort throughout the whole game.
2: Yeah. I love to, I know it drives a lot of people crazy. I love seeing Rudy try stuff he's never done before. Like there's been yeah. a couple of times now where he, they'll pass him the ball like 20 feet out and he'll like face up and his defenders like back like eight feet. So he's like, okay, I guess I'm going to drive to the hoop right now. And it's more times than and it, it doesn't work, but I love to see him trying it. He's going to get better at that, you know?
0: Yeah, me too. Totally. And, and same with shooting. And I, I mean, we've talked about it on here, like I, for the last three years, I've wished he would shoot two threes a game, just mm-hmm. one or two, just if he's wide open, to, man. He, yeah. he could. Like he can make it. Like, I mean, the, the thing that I point to is like, as an NBA player, he has the coordination where he came in as a terrible foul shooter. And now he's a pretty good one. And I feel like if, if you can do that, he can go out that much further and shoot a three. Plus he does it in practice all the time, but to your point, like, I think I got so fixated on that, that I think anything dynamic offensively that he tries to do is good. And like, mm-hmm. he did a little turnaround at the buzzer yesterday and missed. It was fine. Um, he did, he did do like on that, that play that they do all the time where D- Doug, I think it's the one they often try to get to him early. It's like one of the guards does a back pick and he cuts behind and they pass it to him and he gets a dunk. Like, Last night he caught it, dribbled, spinned like through somebody and then dunked it. it
2: yeah, awesome. he did that little like spin around. Oh, it's so pretty. Yeah. So good.
0: And then he does those things sometimes and they look terrible. Um, he's made a couple jump shots, but I, that's why I'm encouraged on this. I, I, it's probably in the, the B range too, if you're mixing in results, but that's to be expected. And I, I, on your defensive point, I feel like I've seen a lot more effort out of the guards. And I know there was like a three game stretch where Donovan was getting like four or five steals a game or something. And he's more active out there. I feel like Mike's more active and um, you know, I've, I have blinders on for this guy, but I feel like Jordan's playing better defensively too, just from an effort perspective, they're still small. They're still not like the most dynamic defenders and all three of those guys have a lot on them offensively. So it's, it's not all the time. Like they're not going to be Patrick Beverly and Bruce Bowen or something. Um, and they shouldn't be because they're good at other stuff. But I feel like there's been a better effort there. I don't know.
2: I completely agree. I think, you know, we'd all like to see it a little more consistent. Like, cause it's obvious, especially, I think it's the most obvious with Donovan. When yeah. Donovan is like locked in, it's such a difference, man. He's a good defender and he's feisty and he's jumping passes and he's, and he's so much better. But that's hard to do all the time. So yeah. I'd like to see it a little more consistently, I think. But I agree with you. Everyone's trying hard. Royce has gotten significantly better, and he was already good. So yeah, he's been I, great. I, I, uh, I'm optimistic for sure.
0: And I, here's the thing. I like um, – I love Eric Pascal defensively. Like, I like what he does. Him shooting always makes me a little queasy. Um, but he's willing. And, frankly, just having – Rudy Gay back the last few games. It's a different dynamic defensively.
2: It's so good. I, I was watching one because the Jazz has started to switch, which is cool. So having Rudy Gay in when Rudy switches to have Rudy Gay be like, oh, I'll take the big. The fact that he's big enough to do that is awesome.
0: Yeah, I just said this thing on Twitter the other day, but I was just watching and there have just been so few dudes that have a body even close to his that have ever been a Jazz player. Like, I mean, obviously we had Carl Malone, who's like a big, like maybe the most impressive male body in the history of the world. Um, right. but like Rudy Gay, it was similar when we had Joe Johnson. We just haven't had like big wing players and I, you know, maybe our, our stick in Utah just needs to be, we get him on the back end of their career and hope we get him for a good year or two, but it's just fun to see him out there. Cause he's massive and athletic and he just looks so in control. Like he, he he's, moved so of, he's so good. I, I, like, I think to this point, like this whole point, I think the Memphis game was kind of a good example because I missed a lot of that game. I turned on the fourth quarter and I was pretty encouraged. It was like, I thought our guards were playing real defense and there was that one stretch with like two minutes left where I just thought Mike and Donovan were flying around defensively, really bothering them. Bogey hits two threes and we're up. And then it all like fell apart in like a one minute span. And to me, it was a little bit like, I don't know, I couldn't help but leave weirdly encouraged uh, just because I thought like we look better at some things we haven't been very good at. I
2: yeah, I was I couldn't watch any of that game. Humble brag. I was on set that night. Oh. out in the, I was like out in the middle of the desert shooting this Western thing. And so I like had my phone out like in between takes and i'm trying to like keep up and i was like oh we're up five with like it was like a minute left or something like that i don't know exactly but i was like oh cool so i went and like got the tweet ready like feeling pretty good (laughs) and then all of a sudden i was like wait what what happened it was it was crazy to watch it but i kind of with you i went back and and checked up on it and like there was just just a couple bad bounces of the ball a couple questionable questionable calls like that you can't you can't take it one too hard
0: there no. okay quick interjection in travis me. okay
2: uh,
1: with with your with the tweet like what's the cadence so it sounds like maybe sometimes do you get it ready before oh
2: so i try not to like especially if i'm watching the game live and i have the time i try yeah. to like i don't want to jinx anything i'm very right. like i don't want to jinx it i don't i'm definitely not tweeting it before the game is over uh, right. you know i've very uh superstitious about that but because i was like on set and i didn't know if we were going to be rolling when it was happening i i did i i waited till as long as i thought like i thought we had it in the bag yeah and so i did i, I got it all queued up that's, and then, that's so awesome. it's probably my fault we lost i probably jinxed it
0: I, yeah i want like a memoir at some point of the different times where you've had it locked and loaded and it's gone the other way or something <laughs> just like a cool okay <laughs> um <I was> <laughs> So how do you think, so I I do think your first one actually does bleed into your second one, which were my first and second two on the experimentation thing. Like you said, the, like switching defenses and stuff. I mean, what, what's your, what's your take on how the Jazz have done this? I feel like preseason, this was the number one thing I saw people asking for. And maybe I just need to stop being such a I told you, or rubbing things in people's faces, like Twitter's too, 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 I don't know, nasty. I'm not trying to be nasty, but I just think it's funny that that's like what everybody wanted. But I think that inherently is going to lead to some failure Yeah, um, and it has. But.
2: Yeah, you have to mess up before you can get it right. I mean, it's a huge, I'm always comparing, if you listen to the improv podcast, I'm comparing improv to basketball all the time because to me, there's so many similarities but it's a huge improv thing of like, you got to go up and you have to be excited about the times when you have a terrible show. Like if you just bomb hard because you're taking risks and you're trying something new and it doesn't work, you're excited about that because you're growing and you're learning. But in basketball, if you try something new and it doesn't work, then you got to fire the coach and blow the team up. Like, you got to give these guys some chances to fail and to mess up and to play around a little bit. Like the stakes don't have to be that high yet. Like they have to make those mistakes now before it's the stakes are high, you know? So I I'm encouraged. I think if you're asking me how they're doing, I think they're, I think they are doing it. I think they're trying some new stuff. Quinn is, you know, it's funny to me last year, it was like, why is Quinn only doing nine man rotation and now he's doing a 10 and people are like, why is he putting Trent Forrest in this? You're like, like he can't win, but I, I do, I'm encouraged to see him try new stuff. I think, I think they're going to be ready when the playoffs come.
1: Yeah, I of? agree. I, I was just thinking about this as well. And I, I felt like maybe the, and I guess m- my mindset was thinking of it, um, as when everyone was saying talking about like Rudy Gay and Eric Pascal playing um the five. I guess I wasn't thinking about them just switching onto the five, but them playing on the court without Rudy. Has the, has there been any like even like a minute played without Rudy or Hassan?
0: Yeah, Hassan got was- kicked out the other night. So oh, I missed
1: that one. one. Okay.
0: And, and, and then that was one of the things that I saw is that somebody was like, look how terrible the defense was in that time. And it's like, isn't this what you wanted, though? And, and right. I don't think that person was necessarily um, criticized. Well, it was McCade. I'll just say it. I, I'd say stuff about McCade all the time. He's a lovely human. And he could take it. It, it sounds like he's being critical um, when I think he says he's being observational. But in any event, um, like, I think it's dumb when people. Anyone is are criticizing this when at the same time they're saying, "Hey, we need to try more stuff." I've been I've been pretty encouraged by it. I feel like we've tried a lot of different stuff. I think defensively, yeah. there's been scheme adjustments, um, us switching more. I think they've tried to find different ways to, you know, play with when teams go five out. And yeah, we haven't played any of the teams that are best equipped to do that yet. But I think the results have been pretty encouraging. Um, I've made this comment before too, but I mean, I just have all these pent up thoughts since we haven't potted in a while, but when people go five out, the the Jazz problem is not Rudy guarding a, a ball handler. I think all of us have seen this, all of us know this. If you follow the Jazz even a little bit, what if the team goes five out, the Jazz want their little shifty guard to try to take Rudy off the dribble. What they don't want is to take Rudy off to one side And then swing it around to somebody else who's being guarded by one of our guards who's not very good at defending. And then Rudy's too far away to cover for them when they get beat off the dribble. And I think, you know, the lineup experimentation and seeing who can handle that stuff a little better has been good. Um, I think one thing that's been interesting, I mean, part of the experimentation has been forced just by new personnel. And I get that we didn't change a lot, but the people that we changed actually were pretty big. Like, Hassan has been really, really good. Um, The lineups with Donovan, Hassan, and like whoever else, you know, Joe or Boyan and Royce, those have kind of been the the best lineups this season. Whereas last year was always the Rudy, Mike, George, Jordan, Joe, or whatever. Like that lineup was like plus a billion or something for the season. And I think the Rudy, Mike, now Rudy Gay... Um, like sort of trifecta with like Joe or, or Jordan is going to be like that Rudy with George lineup last year. Um, so I don't know. I just, it feels like the mixing and the matching is leading to um, these sort of hockey line shifts to your point about playing 10, which are kind of fun. Um, and it feels like we always have an all-star on the court and we usually have two, and then other really good players. So I don't know. Yeah. At the same time, you know, we're still sorting out the same problems from last year. And we'll see, like, you know, we play the Clippers soon. Um, obviously, they don't have Kawhi, but m- maybe that's even a better test of us playing five out against the five yeah. out scheme without him. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think, I don't think we're going to see a ton of five out with a smaller lineup just because because Hassan's been so good and Rudy is so good I think what the experimentation is and should be is like the switching like how do we switch and like how do we combat a five out defense not how do we play five out because I don't think we're going to very often unless we have to right but is it. it if Rudy switched out and you just have to stay on your man and Rudy's not going to come over to help because if he does, they're going to kick it out to Terrence Mann and he's going to hit five hundred threes. threes like Rudy's going to stay home. Rudy's going to have to. So it's going to be more that, in my opinion, I don't know, maybe, maybe Quinn will start. I think you're right. Stuff, I mean, like but.
0: when people have said we got Rudy Gay, like if we had Rudy Gay in the playoffs last year, I still think there is a good chance. Rudy Gobert would have played the entire second half. Of
2: you that just game. don't take Rudy Gobert off the court. Like yeah, you just don't... I think he still plays. It's yeah, just another like... dude
0: who can guard and another dude who can shoot. Right. Got a big right. Guy. That's what that was
1: that was always why I was wondering like what we're, we're never even gonna do this. And Hassan's been so great that right. I, like it just doesn't even make sense for there ever to be a time where we don't have one of our an actual center on the court.
2: Right. So the the flip side, the thing that I'm we've talked about it already, but like if someone goes small ball against us, Rudy should be dunking every time we go down the other side of the court. Like, yeah, that's what we need to be working on. That's how you beat that lineup. Don't match it and try to beat them defensively. Like make them pay. Like we have this seven foot three center who dunks like crazy. Like we got to learn how to get him the ball when Rajon Rondo is guarding him, you know, like we got to make him pay.
0: Yeah. And Hassan's pretty good at that too. And exactly as much as, Obviously, this is a podcast that's very in in Derek Favors' corner on just about everything. He's just bigger. Hassan's Uh just bigger. Yeah, Having two dudes that are that big is an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. But does it inspire fear, Travis? I think I'm with you that it doesn't (laughs) seem to. Right. I think everybody comes into Utah thinking, I'm going to punk the jazz. I mean, so many dudes think they can take on Rudy, and it's kind of funny to me, and they do. But it's also like, I'm going to get up in our – like the jazz guards space mm-hmm. oh kind of they play so high on them yeah yeah i mean i don't know what to do about that i mean what do you think i i think i i would give us like an f minus in that in that inspire fear category so far uh, this year
2: weirdly this is kind of a weird place to take this i think that's part of the motivation behind ryan smith and the rebrand oh like man
1: I, you're you're jumping into my social media
2: am i going, sorry go <laughs> no i right, like yeah. it i like it Keep rolling. Yeah, uh, but I think I don't know, like the bright Mardi Gras colors and the whole like vibe around the jazz, and then of course Utah has its own problems. I th- I really think that that's part of what Ryan Smith is trying to do is to elevate the whole jazz experience. That and part of that is that um, I don't know that the jazz will just seem more badass.
0: I think our yeah. badassness rating <laughs> has just not been. What it's, I mean, Doug and I have talked about this in the past, too. It's like we've had some guys in the past few years, like Jake mm-hmm. Crowder yep. is one of them. And we've talked at length about, like, who's our Jake Crowder now that Jake Crowder's gone? and Or Damari Carroll, even. Or, like, back in the day, it was Antoine Carr. And I don't know. It was Adam Keefe, even. Like, he came out here <laughs> and hit some people. Like, it was just the jazz just were a little more mean and physical. And since then, it's like, well, is it Royce and... Royce is actually a pretty elegant player. He's a mm-hmm. hard-nosed defender and stuff, but he's he's a great shooter, and he's like, a, I'm a good defender because I'm a well-body-positioned person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it has to be on our roster. It has to come from a dude like Eric Pascal. But, you know, it's maybe it also, and I think maybe, I, I'm curious for your thoughts, Travis. I don't know if I'm the only person in the world in jazz fandom who's happy every time Trent Forrest comes in, but to me, I just watch him move And I just think that dude is an athlete and he could defensively be it, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like maybe it has to come from your star players or something. Um, the, The biggest criticism I'd give to Rudy Gobert and I'm such a Rudy Homer and I know you are too, and we should get to some of your personal connection with him, but like the last two rounds, elimination games of the playoffs, I felt like I was screaming at my TV for Rudy to realize the moment that he was in and it mm-hmm. took to like the second half for it to happen and maybe he was hurt last year but um so i don't know yeah i feel like this should have been a season where the jazz came back soft beginning of the schedule hammered everybody last year and even if they're experimenting stuff just came out with the attitude of we're better so we're going to impose our will and instead i think they've come out with we're better so we're just going to kind of ho home through the motions and then we'll make a bunch of shots and beat you but they haven't yeah, yeah. well put all right, so any move on to number three. Do you think it's
2: Pascal? Do you think it's anybody else? Is there, is I it- I I think Pascal is who I was going to say. I also, I just like Rudy has some swag, but I think he could have some more. The thing with Rudy is like he doesn't get beat very often, but when he does, like he gets clowned by the internet hard. You know what I mean? They make it into big such a big deal. But I even see like Hassan. Like when Hassan gets a block. He like showboats a little bit, you know, and Rudy is so laser focused. He is so just like about the business. And I think he's the hardest working player in the league, but I think he could afford a little, I don't know what it is. A little more sauce, a little more swag. Like Rudy teams should be terrified of Rudy Gobert because he's the best defender in the league by a mile. And he just destroys people. He takes over games, but they're not afraid of him. And I don't know why. Anyway, do
1: you think he needs to like elbow someone in the face? Do do, like?
2: (laughs) I don't think so? Although I did say when when Josh Hart did that sneaky little like jump in front of him to take the charge the other day, I was like, man, I wish Rudy would have just lowered his shoulder and like you want to jump in front of a seven foot three Rudy Gobert. You're going to regret it. Like I wish he would have just like he's going to get the offensive foul anyway. He might as well made something of it. But Uh, I kind of like
0: Josh Hart, but I hate that play so much that it took me a little while to be like, I like what the hell Josh Hart like that. That's yeah, that's my least favorite basketball play because it's not a basketball play.
2: Agreed. Anyway, no, I don't think Rudy needs to go beat people up. I just think when he when he does like, you know, when Trey Young tries to blow past him and Rudy swats it off the backboard, I think he can jaw at him a little bit like make him remember like do that again. I you know, I think he could just have a little more sauce.
0: I feel like he used to dunk more emphatically. Yeah, too early in his career, like it was one of my favorite early Rudy things was that he would two hand dunk and like kick his legs like, like crazy. Pull up a and little just, bit, yeah. Yeah. Now he yeah, almost just, just
2: like sets it in and like runs. Yeah.
0: Back. Yeah, but. I I'm with you. I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, just between like having him, Donovan, and and Mike be the three best players. None of them is like Donovan sometimes gets a little spicy, but not. You know, it's not his natural demeanor either.
2: Yeah, so. he plays Hassan so much is, better. Though. Donovan plays so much better when he's angry. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All I right. He's got a bunch uh, of nice guys on the team. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Well, what, Doug, what are you what are you thinking about Jared Butler? Then that was your your other list. How how much are you upset at Quinn Snyder every time? Trent oh man, in the game?
1: every every time Trent's in there, I'm like, couldn't Jared be shooting a three right now? No, just kidding. Honestly, like I, there's this like special world in my brain where Trent Forrest and Jared Butler, like got combined as a human being. And we have Trent's finesse and Jared's offense and Trent's physicality. And, and they're like this perfect backup point guard. But the thing is like, I mean, who do I want to take minutes away from? That's really like, that's the saga of this jazz season is that there's, I mean, there's not enough minutes for the start, like the nine man rotation, let alone 10 man. And, um, so, you know, what? Jared Butler put up a 30 burger in his SLC stars debut. And, and you know, that's good enough for me right now. Yeah. It, I, it
0: kind of makes me think of Morris Almond's 50 burger though, in the, in the D league back in the day. So, I don't know. G,
1: G league, so. D league, it's a
0: totally different game. Oh, okay. <laughs> that Gatorade sponsorship went a long way. Yeah. No, I, I like him. I like him. I I've sort of share this frustration that it's like, well, people are so high on him. Maybe he should be getting minutes. My defense of Quinn is to your point, it's like three minute stretches. And so far when Jared's been in, he's kind of a ball stopper and he just gets it, holds it, dribbles a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's all the stuff that I like Jordan Clarkson doing, but Jordan's like a seventh year veteran in the NBA and pretty good at it. And he's not, and Trent, move the ball. I mean, I, our cousin Jeff, he he wants to he wants the whole internet to blow up every time Trent Forrest comes in, the air, <laughs> I believe. Um, but and and I don't think he's alone, but yeah. I don't know. I'd like to see him get more minutes. Um, I, how do you guys feel about I mean, yesterday was the first back-to-back that Mike Conley didn't sit out. Yeah. Um, those are going to be kind of the games where Jared Butler, or Trent Forrest and these guys got more minutes. Do you like the Mike Conley resting strategy?
2: Yes, I do. I think, I think you have to, after what happened last year, I wouldn't mind seeing Joe Ingalls resting a little too. Like, yeah, I'm surprised we haven't seen more of that, especially with the Olympics and, and the slow start that Joe had too. I was like, just fake an injury and sit him out for a week or so. But I mean, he woke back up the past couple of games. He's actually looking really good, but no, I think, I think that this team knows what they're doing and, especially is it you know hamstrings are such a fickle beast that you don't push it so yeah i think it's smart
1: yeah i I have to i totally agree with you travis i do have to say when i heard um i can't remember if it was thorough or a say that mike was in the starting lineup i was kind of like okay i'm kind of excited to see him play
2: tonight but um, oh we we needed that win so bad too so i get it yeah
0: Yeah, it's but. like I'm of two minds because I I think it's right. I, I think it's a smart strategy. But going to my last wish of I still wanting to have it all. I want the experimentation and I still want us to be first. Um mm-hmm. it doesn't help with that. And I think maybe because I think we've gone through our wish list, this is a chance to invite you Travis to also I don't know if you have a a, a fake medical degree in basketball psychology like Doug does. But along with this first place thing is, I don't know, like the the big theme so far on Twitter is like the Jazz don't have a single good win. And, you know, one of the tough things is is like a couple of the games that could have been like Chicago on the road, Mike didn't play and still a close game. Like, Hmm. is there anything to this? Like, is is, uh, the Jazz haven't beaten a good team? Like, are you taking stock in that? Do I need to take any kind of prescription medication to solve this? Like, do we need to make a move? Yada, yada. Or um, is is this just a wait and see thing?
2: Uh, I have two thoughts. First is about playing without Mike. I think there might be two reasons for that. I think the first reason is obviously get Mike rest, keep him from getting hurt. The second reason might be if Mike does get hurt, we'll have experience playing without him, you know, which I think is important was we were lost without him last year, man. All of a sudden our offense was like, our rotations were all messed up like it was bad so it might be twofold of getting some non-mic games um should you be worried we don't have a, a good win i think it's okay to be a little concerned yeah i think it is um but it's still we're still gonna have lots of chances to get good wins coming up so i'm not i'm not too worried but if someone was like i'm worried i'd be like yeah i get that
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I For me, it's like so hard. It's like all these dudes are professional. I, like it doesn't matter what, what team you play. Like that person's paid to play basketball. Like the Bulls last week lost to the, um, to the Rockets. You know. Mm-hmm. And so, I, it, like, just using that game, uh, Mark, as an example, I don't know. So I, I think the, the wins are going to come. I, I also think like I mean, if you're worried that. That's fine too, but I'm um,
0: being too nice to everybody. Um, but um, <laughs> I'm with you. What, what, what do you think about last year? Was the most open the windows ever going to be versus this year? Um, do you agree with that? Philosophy? I could not
2: disagree more. I, you know, I think I think we are we're peaking at just the right time, and compared to the rest of the league, like you know, I mean, this is something. David Locke says all the time that like any given year, there's like five teams that have a 15% chance or whatever. I actually, I think he's right. You know? So I, I, I also, because of that strongly disagree with people that like, we're not good enough. We have to make moves. We have to trade. We have to get better. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's how it works right now. Like we have a legitimate chance. You can't ask for more than that. Like nobody is going to be an overwhelming favorite this year. Nobody is. Not the Nets are struggling. The Lakers are trash. You know, Phoenix has holes. I mean, they look really good right now. But yeah, but the the point is like everybody's beatable and like there's a handful of teams that have a chance. We're a team that has a chance. And like that's more than good enough for me as a fan. I'm pumped.
0: Who scared you most last year? I think last year for me, I would have going into the season, even going into the playoffs, I would have said the three teams that scared me the most were the Nets if we made it that far. Mm-hmm. The Lakers and the Clippers. Probably yeah, so. and, I might have I mean,
2: thrown Denver in there because Jokic terrifies me, but yeah, yeah that's otherwise, true. yeah.
0: Especially pre even with Jamal Hurd they would have scared me. Mm-hmm. I my argument is that I don't think anybody this year scares me as much as I kind of was scared of those teams like because the Lakers are like way far off. The Nets seem like a more beatable team. And in the West, the Clippers have injuries, the Nuggets right. have injuries.
2: And Phoenix is really good, but we actually that's a good matchup for us. <laughs> like I feel like I yeah. I want Phoenix even though they're killing everybody. I'm like, that's a team that we know how to beat.
0: Well, what, in State's a lot better, but I also feel the same about them. I think yeah, are, I, was, I think we match up with this Golden State team.
2: Yeah. I was just gonna
1: ask you what the pulse on on Dub Nation was in the bay there, Mark.
0: I mean, everybody thinks they're everybody's way on board. Right now, right, oh, yeah. mean, they don't so. even I mean, have clay yet. Yeah, yeah, they had a soft schedule to start, but then, now they're like, you know, they're beating really good teams. They beat Brooklyn and Brooklyn and stuff. I mean, they're definitely playing really well. Um, so, like, yeah, to Travis's point, it's just like they're right there in a handful of teams that all have a chance. I do think, like, uh, an NBA historical thing is that these things often, unless you do an offseason move that gets you LeBron James or somebody like that, Kevin Durant, these things often build up and Mm -hmm. your best player is normally like seven years in into the league or somewhere in that range when it happens. Donovan's still getting older, getting more experienced. His ceiling like dictates our ceiling more than anything in my opinion. And yeah, just like the Nets, like, I mean, David Locke has talked about that a lot, but I think a lot of us have thought about it. It's like their thing was like, they're right in the mix, right in the mix, had a setback made some changes, you know, and then it, it kind of broke. Right.
2: I think we're right where we should be. And I mean, go back to the beginning of last year, nobody thought this is our year. Like nobody thought like there were people who were predicting we weren't even going to make the playoffs. Like at the best, I think even the most optimistic jazz fans are like, maybe we'll get a home court advantage. Like maybe we'll get fourth, third or fourth. Like no one thought we were going to win the West by a mile. No one thought we were going to be the favorite. Like we're ahead of schedule in my opinion. Like like we're, we're in a good place
0: and things broke right for a while last year. And then they didn't. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> we yeah. had
0: some injuries. We, you know, what's crazy as being two games off of last year's pace is that I get that we've had kind of an easy schedule so far, but our record wasn't that great. Like the last month of the season last year, when Mike and, um, and Donovan were hurt, like we we were in a win. We we're on like a 65 win pace or something there for a while. Mm, so.
2: That's true. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah. I, um, all in all, uh it sounds like my doctor's note says let's wait and see if my prostate gets bigger or something <laughs> yeah um, But a
1: colonoscopy would never hurt mark that's all
0: right <laughs> coming from a man who knows um <laughs> so all right any other thoughts kind of on where we stand uh this season
2: Oh, I, I, only, I look, I scribbled down some notes. The only other thing I have is that I think mentally this is going to be a super tough season for this team. I think that, you know, we're going to have a lot of what we've had so far. We're going to have a lot of losses that where we just like want to pull our hair out and we're going to have lapses. Cause it's listen, nobody shows up to work a hundred percent every day. Nobody does. Not even professional basketball players. So I think this season, I am expecting a little more up and down throughout this season. We might go on some good win streaks. We might go on some bad losing streaks. Um, All I care about is if they, you know, experiment and learn and grow and are ready. And I think they will be, but I think mentally it's going to be hard for these guys to show up all season long.
0: That's a perfect segue to my social media thing. So maybe we go to that and we'll let you off because I'm, as always, I'm keeping you longer than I intended. <laughs> so here's my, like, we, you know, it's been a while since we've had an episode, but we typically like to choose something that made us laugh, smile, or mad um, from the world of jazz social media. And your kind of point, I, like I try to have human empathy for these guys not, that sounded kind of a, like a douchebaggy way to say that, but I I like to think about the human aspect of this. And I think it's like, Hey, early in the season, you're playing the Pacers. You're playing the magic on the second night of a back-to-back. You're probably like, you know, I don't know. You're probably not at your best. Maybe you went to Harry Potter world the night before and you, you had a couple like while riding the rides, I don't know. But, um, there's just been so much fan indignance and self-righteousness about like this kind of effort is pathetic of my least favorite word, this kind of, you know, like a championship team would never, and all this stuff. And one of my favorite tweets, I said something, I said kind of thinking I'm going to start muting anyone who describes a professional athlete's effort as pathetic. When I know they put in, when I know the person tweeting put in two hour lunches and mail and work days all the time. And uh, Michael, who is on the SLC dunk editorial staff at Milo Retweeted and said, I put in a professional NBA effort every time I step into the office. Just so happens that that professional is Fazinko. Like you said, there's all this stuff. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is a recurring theme. And um, I would like us to just beat all the bad teams by a million points. And historically in Quinn's tenure, the Jazz actually do that. But I think a little bit of a a symptom of being really good the year before is that it's going to be harder. To get up against the drugs of the NBA,
2: yeah. I mean, Trey Young said that out loud, yeah. which you're never after supposed to. One year to of do. success. You're never but supposed yeah. to say it out loud. But I, you know, I think there are probably a lot of players who, whether they want to agree with him or not, find that to, there's probably some truth in what he said. You know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> know if my employer hopefully is not listening to this, but like if I just finished like a big M and A deal and we were up late hour after hour. And then I have to show up on a Wednesday and it's like, somebody's calling me about like some dumb contract or vendor thing. That's like, not, I'm just like, you know, probably not going to give that my best A plus effort that I was getting two days ago. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, mine, believe it or not, um, my social media moment came from LinkedIn. Cause that's where my, um, Whoa. where my scary moments of life trying to get a job, um, what is what is yeah, LinkedIn?
2: Too. What's LinkedIn? <laughs>
1: not not worth anyone's time. That's what it is. <laughs> um, but it was a it was it was a link to an article wrote by the Deseret News um, interviewing Ryan Smith on his pitch for Utah, and I don't know. I mean, we talked about it earlier here, just um, like negative stereotypes, but just the um, the way that his approach to the jazz and 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 to Utah, he calls Utah as a as a startup and like a unicorn startup that has so much potential to to be great and to and like the jazz are front and center in that. Um, I mean three of us look are all huge jazz fans connected to the state, not living in it. Um, and I, just, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. It's a super interesting article to to jump into Ryan and Ashley Smith's brain of, I guess, what they're leaking out as to their plans for the jazz and its influence on the state and business overall. Um,
0: this is a soft invitation to Ryan Smith to financially incentivize us to move back or, or do more things with the state. <laughs> um,
1: well, I mean, he talks about the film industry getting more prevalent in Utah. So there exactly. you go, Travis. Yeah. Um, maybe he wants to start a footwear company that I can design for and Mark, I think you have the most current uh, options um, on the legal we're side. We're man, but we're, we're locked in here until <laughs> until
0: <laughs> until Justin Zanek decides that he's ready to step down, and, and Ryan needs a replacement. I'm uh, uh, pretty <laughs> right. But please, I mean, yeah. but I I just think it's cool.
1: I think it's cool what what influence the Jazz have on on the going goings on in in the Utah or adjacent Utah
0: lives. Yeah, super
2: cool. Yeah, I read that same article. It's, it's, it's really good. Um, I had a little social media thing. The only thing I, I'm sure you guys have shouted it out before, but I think uh, Moni Log's post-game threads. Oh, man. Like, if there's anyone left on, on social media who hasn't checked those out, they're so good. I just think that it's like just such a nice little like cherry on top after <laughs> a win to go read what the other team's fans are thinking about the team. Uh, I love that. So I, I'm sure you shouted, shouted it out before, but not definitely enough. Deserves, uh, definitely not, deserves more been, attention. It's yeah. been
0: too long. I'm with you. It was one of my favorite things. Like when the season was back, like
2: mm-hmm. your tweet,
0: her post game thing, she's like one of the best jazz Twitter follows just
2: a hundred percent, a hundred
0: percent across the board. But those things are so funny and they are a nice reminder. Sometimes it's like, oh yeah, we actually have good players <laughs> on our team that yeah. the other team fan base uh, worries about. Yeah. In very yeah. funny ways. Agreed. Cool. All right. Well, before we let you go, um, I talked about one other thing, but I, I think a, a more fun one is tell us tell us about how Rudy Gobert and uh, your family like have interacted.
2: Yeah, uh, it started. I guess Rudy Gobert's Whitney's favorite player has been since we started. You know, getting back into it when we went to the Clippers game, she wrote a sign that said like. Don't tell my husband I'm in love with Rudy Gobert. I wrote a sign that said, don't tell my wife I'm in love with. I keep forgetting his name, the guy who wore number 20. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, she's, so he's oh been God. her favorite player forever. And uh, so when she was first diagnosed with cancer and she was about to start chemotherapy, her dad surprised her with a jersey from Rudy Gobert that had a personalized like, stay strong Whitney, Rudy Gobert and a little detail that makes it even more special is the guy who facilitated that was uh uh doug hinsty who recently passed away from cancer he was he's in whitney's he was in whitney's dad's ward so he was his connection to rudy anyway he made that all happen which is uh pretty cool but whitney decided she was gonna Well, first of all, I took a video for getting that jersey and it it went viral and Rudy reposted it and all that stuff. And it was, it was pretty special. So Whitney decided to wear that jersey every time she had to go through chemo and we took a picture outside and every time I posted it without fail, Rudy would repost it with some more words of encouragement and stuff like that. So it was just this kind of uh, just really special thing when, when her chemo was all done, I, I sent Rudy a DM just being like, Hey, I don't, I don't know if you see this and I don't think you know how much it meant to us that you would. To do that and, and retweet every time we just really appreciate it and he sent a little message back and was like you know it was my pleasure thank you for the motivation for the inspiration i'm glad things are going like he's just a good person you know what i mean like uh, i don't know if i'll we'll ever talk to him again but i just i i hope he knows how much it meant to us and it's part of the reason why i get so aggro against people who you know try to talk bad about rudy i'm very protective of him like he's uh it feels more personal because of the little the extra i know what sort of extra effort he goes through to treat people well when he didn't have to do any of that you know so yeah. he's the man i'd run through a wall for that dude
0: thanks for sharing that. i mean watching it from afar um I don't know, man. Like, you know, sometimes I wonder why I'm spending the time that I spend, like, on Twitter or following sports is like, is worth it. But guess what? I like it. And, mm-hmm. um, part of the like little community that we've we have there, seeing that with you, it felt like a family member like pull, pulling for you and pulling for her and seeing him do that. Uh, yeah, was super cool. It
2: was just a little thing that, like, because of COVID, I wasn't able to go into to the chemo with Whitney. So I'd take the picture outside and she'd go up and I'd post it, you know, and she's just gone through this horrible experience. Chemo is the worst, but as she came out of chemo, I, I just uh, being able to be like, Rudy retweeted it again. And like, just to like light up the day a little bit on a, in the middle of some awful thing. It was like, man, it's just such a little thing he did, but it made a huge difference. So.
0: How's she, how's she doing now?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking. She's doing well. She's right in the middle. She's got well, just past the middle. She's doing an oral chemotherapy right now. Um, Her last scan did show no signs of disease, which is that's exactly what we want to hear. Yeah. So she finishes up this oral chemo at the end of January, she will get scanned again and knock on wood if everything looks good. um, A few more surgeries after that, and then it will be the start of, you know, a 15 year maintenance drug that she has to take, but the hard part will, will essentially be over at that point. So she's doing well though. She's a fighter and she's a baller.
0: Well, you guys are awesome, man. You're, you're super inspirational and uh, yeah. I'm so glad it's going well.
2: Thanks, Uh, man. Yeah.
0: Thanks for sharing. Of course. Yeah. And, and to tack onto what our end one was maybe otherwise going to be every Everybody, when you're about to send that rivalry tweet that's actually you don't need to send, just think about this nice um story and and the brotherhood of man like acting together in a positive way and stop. Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop with your rivalry Twitter stuff.
2: <laughs> um, uh, no. My mute, my mute button has been very active the last couple of <laughs> days. I just I have I don't have any ill will towards people and I, I'm not a fan. I don't want to fan police. Fan how you want to fan, but I don't want to see it. So I just, yeah. I just mute people like crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's uh, I, what I've learned post the Clippers game, but for my mental health, I, I needed to stop having such a free marketplace of ideas in my timeline. <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. laughs> curated exactly. a, a little bit more and uh, yeah. it's been better. Yeah. Well, Hey, this has been so fun. Um, I, I would have to say that this is the best podcast episode ever and we're, we're never going to lose again. And yeah. two's twos and threes. Uh thanks so much, Travis.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. It's a blast. Thank you.
0: Boom.
2: Boom.